0: Well, once again today, we're privileged to hear from our pastor while the telephone. Tara, Tara, handsome. Well, good afternoon to all of you. You you. We have a little group of six here again today. It's been raining this morning the wind blowing. I think the deer and the turkeys have all gone and hid from this wind. But I hear from what George said, it's cold down there as well. Not too cold right here right now, but the wind's blowing. Anyway, let's get uh, back into Isaiah today. And we've been going through some burdens, starting back with Babylon and going through Moab and so on. And here he's just giving a chapter or so to different entities representing different sections of the world's population and what will happen to them here in the end I I don't uh, plan on spending a whole lot of time on each one of these. Uh, they are, in essence the judgment of God on different people starting with Babylon, which represents America today as the leader of the Babylonian system, which is Satan's system. But Israel, particularly Ephraim, this country and Manasseh and Britain and the other nations of Israel, should never have been put in the position or put themselves in the position of being the leaders of Satan's system, but that's what we have become in every way, militarily, socially, culturally, um, just a symbol of Satan's system, which we export all over the world as I said, and America has been looked up to as the leader of the world, but God has looked down upon us because we're the leaders of Satan's world. And that does not fit well with him. Then he starts into some burdens or things set against other peoples. Uh, we just covered last week uh, Moab and in that sense Ammon, uh the sister of family, and even Esau would be included with them, and is in Daniel 11, as we saw those three together, and there comes a time when their punishment is end and even the Assyrian passes over them, and doesn't give them further punishment at that time, but today we came down to 17, uh, which is the burden of Damascus, now, Damascus, I take to mean essentially the Arab world, We may or may not be right about that, but as you'll recall history, Abraham uh, had his wife Sarah die, and then he married Keturah, and hence came Ishmael, a wild ass of a man, it is said in the Bible, and Keturah had quite a few children, so uh, those turned out apparently to be essentially the Arab peoples. So, that may bleed over a little bit here and there. The Bible doesn't give a complete description. And kind of what we have to do is look at a little bit of history that's given, and then uh, kind of extrapolate that to include the nations of today, and where those might be uh, located. Same with locating the U.S. as Babylon go through and read those scriptures about Babylon, and there's no other nation on earth today that fits those descriptions. I spent quite a few sermons actually going through that, so we won't belabor the point today. I think that's pretty well established. And even people out in the world have seen that, that America represents Babylon, so, Simply, no other nation even comes close to these scriptures of the, the Bible than the United States. So, if this be the Arabs that's essentially who it's talking about, behold, Damascus is, is taken away from being a city, and shall be a ruinous heap. The cities of Ararat are forsaken; they shall be for flocks, that shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. There's nobody around to scare the animals because they. Been killed, taken captive, whatever. The fortress also shall cease from Ephraim and the kingdom from Damascus. Now, Syria or Damascus was lumped in with conspiracy in Isaiah 7 and 8, where he tells us there that Ephraim, after about 65 years, would cease to exist as a people. And I've uh, been over it several times, but we've essentially felt that that 65 years started in 1954, the first Bilderberger meeting, and ended about the end of 2019, uh, when we started wearing masks and hiding from each other and became basically uh, ineffective, if you will, to do anything. And it's gotten worse and worse. I saw a report just this morning that says many 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 children are suddenly dying where they only have four what was it i forget now A very very small percentage ever died of this heart condition over the years and now suddenly they're just dropping dead left and right little children and it's it's got to be the vaccine it couldn't be anything else so we're we are not a nation anymore. We are totally divided. We're about to go with civil war. And he brings Ephraim into this discussion of Damascus, because Damascus and Ephraim were the ones that were allied against uh, the rest of Israel back there in Isaiah 7. So he's just reiterating that here. The fortress will peace from Ephraim. That means her defenses were very, very quickly uh, sending what weapons we do have into the Ukraine and not replacing them. Russia and China are building up their armed forces and we're simply destroying ours uh, because our leaders have already made a deal with those other nations that just come in once we're weakened. Why should they attack now when we might still do a lot of damage? Uh, they're going to wait until we're people that are just completely disoriented and, don't have food, don't have fuel, and are easily taken. I I also saw a report that we just shipped the last of our diesel reserves overseas, and they're expecting now within 14 to 24 days, depending on who you read, being out of diesel, which means train stop, truck stop, airplane stop, and goods can't be transported, and the grocery stores go empty. So, whether that is a correct report or not, we don't have too long to find out. But I do know there's a shorter view. Uh, I just read also that in Wyoming, uh, they're shipping from what their refineries are making. They're shipping it elsewhere. In Wyoming, is almost out of east. And the EPA shut down one of their five refineries not too long ago, so they can't even make it. And on and on it goes. So we do not have fortresses anymore; they're seizing. In the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria, they shall be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Eternal of hosts. Well, now, what does he mean by saying there'll be the glory of Israel? Not the glory that Israel used to have, as we'll see. Please follows this up. And in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob shall be made thin and the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean. So these other nations who have conspired against Israel are going to wind up thin of flesh even as Israel has. I think it's the sense of this. So their glory won't amount for a whole lot. Our glory has already been diminished a great deal. Uh, even the, from the office of presidency on down, you see this already happening. And the Arabs despise Biden uh, and laugh at him, as do many other nations. So our glory is already being made then. (laughs) These people will follow up with theirs being made in the same way. It'll be as when the harvestman gathers Corn and reach the ears with his arm, and it shall be as he that gathers ears in the valley of 3 as I assume that means a very dry country. Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it as the shaking of an olive tree, two or three berries at the top of the uppermost how, four or five in the outmost fruitful branches, thereof says the eternal God of Israel. And that's the way they harvest. Olives is by shaking the tree. And most of them have parts down they catch them. But when they get on shaking, there's just a few olives left in the top and the outer branches they get 90 whatever percent of them. Just a little bit left. That's the way our harvest will be. And we're headed into that already with drought, and famine and the crops being greatly diminished. It's only going to get worse. At that day shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. So what God is doing here is creating regional and then worldwide famine and pestilence and disease in such a way that when the Holocaust is done, when this when this reaches the finality that he's talking about it'll be time for people to begin to turn to God. Which is when the millennium begins, of course, because they're not going to turn to God until this all happens. And he shall not look to the altar, the work of his hands, neither shall respect that which his fingers have made, either the groves or the images. In that day shall his strong cities be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch, which they left because of the children of Israel, and there shall be desolation. So, strong cities, like a forsaken bough, stripped the leaves off, needles off, whatever, and left it just hanging there with nothing on it. That's the way it's going to be worldwide. Because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been mindful of the rock of your strength therefore shall your pleasant plants uh, and shall set it with strange with strange slips whatever they can find the plant Uh, you know you have an apple tree and you you can uh, what's the word I'm looking for draft in other things and you're not going to have anything familiar left you're just going to try it Get any strange thing and try to make food out of it. It's going to be that bad. In that day shall you make your plant to grow and in the morning shall you make your uh, your seed to flourish but the harvest shall be a heat in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. So they'll go ahead and plant they'll try to make things work and then when it comes harvest time nothing left. These these are hard words, really. We're used to having food around. There's not going to be any food here first, and in Europe, and then it spreads to the whole world, and already is in some ways. Woe to the multitude of many people, which make a noise like the noise of the seas, and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them. Rushing waters, whether it be in rivers, whether it be waves of the sea, very tumultuous, very powerful, they would appear to be accomplishing something, if you will, Um, and yet nothing will happen. They'll make a lot of noise, like a lot of water. And they shall flee far off, and shall be chased as the shaft of the mountains before the wind, and like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. And behold, an evening time, troubled, and before the morning he is not. This is the portion of them that spoil us, and the lot of them that rob us. So speaking from an Israelite standpoint, those who have robbed and pillaged and destroyed us going to have the same thing happen to them. And all their idols have to be knocked down because there's only one true God, and he's the only one that can give life. So they'll finally realize these other things aren't working. You've got to try something different. Well, the Protestants have their false Jesus. He's not Jesus at all. He didn't have long hair, He didn't, uh, he wasn't a thin little guy. He was probably very strong. He wasn't handsome that anyone would look upon him and worship him because of his looks. Uh, It was his character and his power as a human being through the Spirit of God that was looked to. But all these things that we worship, well, the Catholics are an example of it as well. Protestants have got penises on their churches, and driving through Salt Lake, I saw those sticking up on their temples as we drove through coming up here. And when I went into the altar area, the main altar there at the Vatican, oh my, it's, just, it's as awful as a place as there is on the earth. First of all, the thing is shaped in such a way that it's like a woman's body, and the legs come out this way as part of the building. Then it comes to the center. And there you have the main altar. And it's covered with everything unclean on earth. Spiders and snakes and unclean fish and unclean birds. And a woman pregnant with a fly on her stomach. But the dot of the fly abstention in the Bible. Uh, when Satan started the Catholic Church, the Simon Magus, it wasn't the true Peter, the apostle, but the Simon, whom Peter said, told to go to hell with his money, especially there in Acts. And Simon went out and started the Catholic Church directly under the auspices of Satan. Who would do everything possible unclean? And there you've got the statue of the Black Peter that everybody kisses. And I looked at that toe that they kissed, and it it's worn way down. It's been kissed so much. wonder what that does with COVID. But they worship those things, basically. The Virgin Mary, she didn't stay virgin very long, she had a bunch of kids. God did something with her that was important and here you have people putting the virgin so-called Mary almost about Jesus and certainly about God and she's become very much a central part of the Catholic Church and that's not in the book God didn't say to do that that's just what they do because Satan did it that way, and he wanted to take the focus off the Father and the Son to a great degree and put it on Mary, because that is not where the source of power was. So they worshiped a uh, an idol, really, because the Virgin Mary isn't in heaven. Uh, she didn't stay a virgin very long, and then she died. She's in the grave, awaiting the resurrection. So, these people are going to begin to realize that all these things that they've put ahead of God, and the Pope even called himself the vicar of Christ, the one in place of Christ is what it means. So, the Pope supposedly has more power than Jesus, and you can't put anybody in place of Jesus. You just can't do it. And the Protestants have put this little queer looking guy with the long hair in to replace the true Jesus is what they've done so all of that is going away and when they get this hungry they'll begin to think where's the true God <laughs> you know where, where's he I, I need to find something besides these idols I've been worshipping so God has something always in mind to turn people to him when it's all said and done. What this sounds like is terrible times that it is, but it's what it's going to take for people to begin to give up their idols and to serve the true God. Then he goes on after saying it's going to be trouble morning and night. Chapter 18, Woe to the land shadowing with wings which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Now, this, I think, is speaking essentially of Israel again, uh, because the land shadowing with wings, when you know where the true Jerusalem is, there's a landform there of a wing on either side with a tip in the middle, like where the head of an eagle goes down. You've probably looked it up on Google Earth. I have, and it's very clear that it looks like the shape of a bird. It's not perfect. I mean, it's a geological one, but it's close enough you can recognize that's what it's talking about. So it's woe to the land shattering with wings, which is Jerusalem, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Now, I don't know that I know how to determine where Ethiopia was when this was written, because we're talking about the promised land, essentially a you far northern Arizona here. And it says, uh, Ethiopia, Ethiopia in Hebrew is burnt face, and that could be some of the volcanic land around the area where the promised land was, because you drive around northern Arizona and Utah and somebody, man, there's volcanic activity everywhere. So Ethiopia was somewhere in that mix and was named burnt face. The Sins Ambassadors by the sea, even vessels of bull rushes upon the waters. And when this was written, there were seas connecting uh, Utah with the ocean. Right there in Christ Canyon, they have a, a sign that shows seaways going all the way up to Canada. And there's a Phoenician warship they've unearthed down by the Salton Sea in California. So the Gulf of California came on up, and what they call the Great Basin, they've identified as having been uh, ocean, all salt lake and beyond. And east of here, uh, there's also an area that they say was sea bed. So uh, you could go by ocean vessel all the way to the original Jerusalem, with messengers to a nation scattered and peeled, which is what we're going to be by then. So a people hit terrible from their beginning, before now, hitherto, they were a great, powerful people before, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Now, right now, we are in the process of... Of our rivers being spoiled by geoengineering, by weather control. Uh, the Mississippi River, you can barely get barges up and down it right now, with half a load on. And the Colorado River system is drying up, and they're saying that even by next year, there may be millions of people that are starting to go without water. Uh, so. The rivers are not spoiling it by flooding or by providing a lot of irrigation water. They're spoiling it by drying up and people can't live there anymore. Tucson and Phoenix and Las Vegas and Los Angeles are going away because there's not going to be enough water to support them. This land, the rivers have spoiled. I could have read this ten years ago and I wouldn't have gotten it as well. But Today, Lake Mead and Lake Powell are almost gone. And it's easier to understand what he's saying here. All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth see you. When he lifts up an ensign on the mountains and when he blows the trumpet, listen. So what he's saying is what he's going to do to this nation ought to make people wake up and look around and realize that if you disobey God this is what happens to you your rivers dry up your people die they're conquered and taken into captivity and pay attention nations of the world then God lifts up an incense in the mountains well who is that that's the rebel. makes it very clear at the end of Haggai that he's raising up the rebel as an ensign or a banner or a flag of his against the nations. So that's what this is referring to. And when he blows a trumpet, and what does the Bible say? It says, lift up your voice like a trumpet." So when from Mount Zion you start hearing someone God has set up blow his voice like a trumpet says, the world better listen. And of course we know that that's going to last for three and a half years, and the world won't listen, and then they'll be destroyed. So this is a warning to all the nations of the world. For so the Eternal said to me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon earth, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. So he's going to set these things in motion for destruction. He's going to sit back and watch it play out. I'm proud of dew and the heat of harvest is not a good thing. It's hard to harvest when your crops have been wet overnight. Before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs with pruning books and take away and cut down the branches. They shall be left together to the fowls of the mountains, and to the beasts of the earth. And the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In other words, the people are going to be gone, and the only one there to eat what does come up will be the animals. So he's warning the whole world here. In that time shall the present be brought to the Lord of hosts of a people scattered in fields. And from a people terrible from their beginning beforehand or in the past. So, once Israel has been punished, gone into captivity, its rivers dried up, nothing left to eat, the same, same thing God is saying is going to happen to the world. So He says, Listen to the one I send and do what He says, else it's going to happen to you. And once that has occurred, Then, this people scattered and healed, Israel, about a tenth of whom are left, uh, will be brought to him. A nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, says it again, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. So, Christ will have returned then to the Mount of Olives. He will be with his people in Zion, and Israel will was then scattered and healed and taken captive and destroyed will be brought to him and then the gentile nations who have also been desolated by that time will also begin to come to him because they got nothing to eat they're in total deprivation and the only place that offers any answer at that time would be christ himself beast and false prophet will have been picked up by then and dropped in a fire and all of that new world order that they're trying to bring apart to bring to pass today will have been destroyed so the only place to go then is God Uh, no idols left nothing left then he goes into a burden uh, of Egypt uh, or Mithraeum in the day that Israel was in captivity in the land of Ham or of uh, the black people were, that was the primary time that the black people uh, ruled on the earth. The other time of any great significance would have been during Nimrod's day, when he built the Tower of Babel, and he was of Ham. So, the black people today don't build much of anything. That was destroyed, and it was primarily destroyed by plagues in upon Nittrium and the Red Sea, and they've never done much since, but they were at one time uh, pretty much rulers of the world. Nimrod was, and the black people of Ham, the Bible makes it very clear that we were in captivity in the land of Ham about I don't remember now, three to five times that's mentioned in the Psalms alone, that they were in the land of Ham. In Isaiah 52, it talks a little bit about how the Assyrian oppressed during that time. So there was some alliance between the people of Ham and of Assyria uh, at that time, and Assyria has risen now, and the peoples of Ham have uh, pretty much gone away as a as an influence in today's world, but Petrium, or Egypt, became a, a sign of sin, the land of sin. So when you start talking about Egypt in a prophetic sense, uh, in a prophetic uh, context, you're talking of the whole world, which is, of course, in sin. So Egypt is been, has been uh, spread around the whole world as a symbol of sin. So this is a burden against, really, the world, the satanic world of sin, as in a, a modern-day prophecy, as opposed to a nation that had captivated Israel at that time. People, I wonder how many people there are in this nation and on earth who recognize that we were the slaves of the black people long before we took any black people in as slaves in this country. That had happened thousands of years ago, and Hollywood doesn't know it. Or if they do, they certainly don't depict it that way. Anytime you talk about the Assyrians, I mean the Egyptians, they got white people there. But the Bible makes it clear they were black people. And they were already in Jerusalem when Abraham got there, Canaanite. So they had their time of glory, and now they become a symbol of sin as so the whole world. <clears throat> so here he's making a a prophecy against really the inhabitants of the earth. Behold, the Lord rides upon a swift cloud and shall come into the world, if you will. And the idols of the world shall be moved at His presence. And the heart of the world shall melt in the midst of it. I'm substituting that because it is a type, um, and that's who He's addressing this to. Really is all the nations of the earth. And I will set the world against the world, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, Christ I said there in Matthew 24. And then it gets worse from then, because even the beast, when it is at its greatest height of glory, will still have feet of iron and miry clay, barely able to hold together to walk and do anything. So it will be a shaky alliance at best. How well, really, do you expect the Arabs, the Russians, and the Chinese to get along? Uh, In fact, the Arabs just said, I guess yesterday, that they were looking now to China, their reliable trade partner. Now, if you read between the lines on that, if China is now their reliable trade partner, We are their unreliable ex-state party. (laughs) They're making that comparison, really. And that means the petrodollar is an end, And they will not be using dollars to buy oil anymore. And we've been saying for years, when the petrodollar is gone, America is gone. The US dollar will go to zero value. That will be happening now, very shortly. We've always bombed any nation who tried to get away from the U.S. dollar and sell oil any other way. But how are we going to bomb Russia and China and Saudi Arabia all at once take on the whole world? We're trying to do that. We're over there right now in Ukraine trying to goad those nations to come and destroy it. That's the thinking of the people in Washington, the Pentagon, and in the White House, and of the people who control them as the big bankers. They want a big war, and they want the United States destroyed. So not only are they working at getting that war started, they're they're working at weakening us for the take. So that's what's going on. The Egyptians will be against the Egyptians. And they shall fight everyone against his brother, everyone against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. So this is talking about a worldwide situation. And the spirit of the world shall fall fail in the midst thereof, and I will destroy the council thereof. And they shall seek to the idols, and to the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and to the wizards. So they're going to seek satanic, demonic uh, guidance, and many of those in Hollywood, in Washington, uh, in the banking world, now are openly Luciferians. They're already seeking Satan and demons to for their hope, their guidance, their leadership, that's the wrong place to see, and that will be destroyed. And the whole world will I give over into the hand of a cruel Lord and a fierce King shall rule over them. Says the Eternal, the Lord of Hosts. So they're promising that everyone will not have, won't own anything, but they'll be happy because they'll be getting a government ship to get free filled every month so that they can eat and they're promising us happiness that's like pouring water down your shirt and telling you it's raining it's not going to be like they're putting it out there to be people won't be happy they'll have cruel leadership but what else do you expect when Satan is the ruler of this world and these people are seeking demons and seeking him to be their leaders. Well, Satan is cruel and angry and wants all mankind dead, including God. So, yeah, they're going to have fierce, cruel leaders. As the waters shall fail from the sea, and the rivers shall be wasted and dried up, and they shall turn the rivers far away. And the brooks of the end shall be emptied and dried up, and the reeds and flags shall wither. Now, that's an interesting statement here. They shall turn the rivers far away. Now, did God here predict control of the weather thousands of years ago, here for the end time? Because that's what they're doing, is turning the rivers far away. So the waters not coming down anymore. Um, God knew exactly what they do a long time ago. The reeds and flags shall wither. Well, when the water stops, the things that grow near water dry up. So they're doing this, it says. They shall turn. It isn't an act of nature. It isn't an act of God. It's the cruel leaders who are doing this. And it's happening as we sit here and speak of it today. Oh, how I love God. That he would tell us these things and we could understand it today when it... We read it years ago and we knew it was coming. Now we're sitting here reading it today and it is upon us. Go look at Lake days. Go look at Lake Powell, And it's obvious Today is happening, and you and I already know it. But the rest of the world doesn't understand where it's headed. They figure they'll figure out a way. Well, the leaders have already gone to Satan and learned how to control the weather, and they're drying up the rivers. <clears throat> the paper reads, By the brooks, by the mouth of the brooks, and everything sown by the brooks shall wither driven away, and be no more. So it isn't just the main rivers, but the creeks, the things that feed the rivers, will also be dried up. The fishers also shall mourn, and all they that cast angle into the brooks shall lament. I read an article just recently, and saw pictures of great big piles of salmon up in British Columbia, where there's not enough water for them to go spawn, and the water that is there is so low in volume, it's too warm for them. So they're just piling up and rotting in warm water. Doesn't that sound like this? Uh, they just shut down the king crab season in in uh, the Bering Sea off Alaska because the they diminished by ninety percent. Arctic king crabs out there from the fish? So pretty soon they've had a deal on TV about that for a lot of years now about these folks that go out to the Bering Sea. And, well, they're not going out there this year, and if they did, there wouldn't be anything for them to catch. So there's one TV program that's probably going to go away. <laughs> there's nothing to catch anymore. Sit in the harbor. They that cast angle into the brook shall lament, and they that spread nets upon the waters shall languish. How much of this is Fukushima? I don't know. Moreover, they that work in fine flax and they that weave networks shall be confounded. So there's not going to be cotton and other materials, silk, to make the clothes anymore. And they shall be broken, and the purposes thereof, all that make sluices and ponds for fish. I wonder if, when this was written, they were already growing fish in artificial ponds. I, I can't imagine it in a way because there was such abundance back then. But we've depleted it now to the point that not all you can get is farm fish anymore, and they feed them some nasty stuff in documentaries. That fish is not worth eating. So, they make sluices and ponds for fish. That's today. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. The council of the wise counselors, of Pharaoh, has become brutish. So the leadership of the world here represented by Pharaoh. I'll say you, the Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings. When you've got stuff falling apart all around you, how are you going to stand up and say, "I'm the son of kings"? And people will say, "Yeah, well, that ain't doing you no good." Where are they? Where are your wise men? Let them tell you now, and let them know what the Lord of Hosts is purpose upon the world where are the wise men that see what's coming the people who consider themselves wise and elite are the ones that are carrying it all down and God knows ahead of time that's going to happen he knows Satan pretty well the princes of Zoan have become fools the princes of Top are deceived they've also seduced the whole world even they that are the stay of the tribes thereof, the leaders, the strong of the tribes of the nations, are deceived. The Eternal has mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err in every work thereof as a drunken man staggers in his body. That's pretty well described, so purple did that he. Everything is upside down, backward, falling apart, uh, like a drunk staggering around, throwing up every where he walks. There's nothing that's working much anymore. Neither shall there be any work for the world which the head or tail, branch or rush, may do. I read just this morning that Elon Musk who just bought Twitter, is laying off thousands of people. And other corporations are laying off thousands and thousands of people. The tech world is going the same direction it went in 2008, and there won't be jobs. How are you going to have jobs? Look, look look at Europe today. They shut the gas down. The coal is being shut off. The factories don't have enough fuel to manufacture anything, so no jobs. No work for the world, which the head or the tail or brush may do. No jobs. In that day, the world will be like women, and it shall be afraid in fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shakes over it not that women are bad that's not what he's saying but women are very very concerned about security they're concerned about where the next paycheck is coming from and how do I feed my kids and they fear and it's the man's job to make sure that their fear is taken away by providing them security and the things that they need in order to take care of their families The women shouldn't be warriors in that sense. (coughs) They're put there to take care of the family, to take care of the children, while a man goes out and makes a living. And therefore, man being as he is, is not as fearful overall in that sense as women are. So frequently in the Bible, uh, God refers to men as being like women, uh, afraid to do anything, afraid to leave, afraid to go, afraid to do. In the land of Judah shall be a terror to Egypt. Everyone that makes mention thereof shall be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the eternal of hosts which he has determined against it. Now, That is a reference to the church. That's a reference to Zerubbabel as an ensign against the nations, the two witnesses, who will come and tell them what is going to happen to the whole world. And they're going to fear spiritual Judah. Physical Judah is going to be destroyed along with the other nations of Israel. So this can only be referring to spiritual Israel, which will have the backing of God and will tell the world what is going to happen and will be sending plagues even as they speak. Because they'll go to one city and tell them what God is going to do to them if they don't repent, and then they're going to have an example of it by turning the water to flood or whatever of the plagues of Egypt they decide to bring upon them. You'll have life. Okay? and they'll have life. So they're going to back up what they're saying and the whole world is going to have a witness of what is about to happen to them all if they don't listen to the message coming from Mount Zion. So that's what this is talking about. In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt of the world speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts, one shall be called the city of destruction. The language of Canaan is ungodly. And they'll speak ungodly words with ungodly languages, and a city will be called a city of destruction, because it's going to be destroyed. And that day shall there be an altar to the eternal in the midst of the land of the world, and a pillar at the border thereof to the eternal so when this destruction comes they'll start waking up and make an altar to God finally but boy what it's going to take to get there and it shall be for a sign and for a witness to the eternal of hosts in the land of the world for they shall cry to the eternal because of the oppressors and he shall send them a savior and a great one and he shall deliver them that can be none other than Christ himself who's the only one that can deliver from this destruction that's coming so this is at the end of it and the Lord shall be known to Egypt and the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day and shall do sacrifice and oblation yes they shall bow a vow to the eternal and actually perform it so you see God wins in the long run Right now, nobody pays attention to God in the world, hardly at all. And when he gets done with what he's about to do, by frying it all up, having the rivers go away, having the food stop, and then they're going to say, wait a minute, our leaders have been cast into a lake of fire, the Catholic Church is gone, and this new religion they're building is, is a combination of Islam and Christian truth." The Pope and others this new world religion is going to go away and their leaders will have gone away their food will have gone away and then they're going to start turning to god and the eternal shall smite egypt and he shall smite and heal it so he tells you right here i'll smite it first then i'll heal he's talking about the whole world here and they shall return, even to the eternal, and he shall be entreated of them, and shall he- heal them. So when they come finally, without vanity, without ego, without pomposity, and say, God in heaven, please deliver us, save us from ourselves and the devil, and he will heal them. What a wonderful God. In that day shall there be a highway out of this world to Assyria, and the Assyrians shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. So those nations who are against each other today and hate each other, and are having wars and rumors of wars, are all going to repent. They're going to give up their grudges, their hate, their racism, and all these things that make life unbearable in the world today are going to go away. Even in our own land, we've tried now for decades and decades to get get rid of racism And it's still there, just as much as it ever was. It's underground a little bit. You don't say it the way it used to be said, but it's still there. And the different races despise one another underneath, and they feel under the gun and hated, and they're... It's turning, you know? Used to, we had this racism against black people. Now it's turning to where the enemy is a white man and being despised. So, even Britain has said that only, I said this before, only women and people of a different race can be pilots in the Royal Air Force from henceforth. White men cannot be there. And that shows how deep the prejudice is going of all the nations of the world against Israel. That's what that amounts to. And the first ones that are going to be destroyed are America, Canada, Australia, and Western Europe. Basically, wherever Israel is, we're going to be the first to go down. And then the times of the Gentile will be upon us. And they will take over because we will either be dead or in slavery, one of the two. But then when God is done with his destruction of all the nations, there'll be peace. A third, Israel with, with the other nations of the world and with Assyria, who's been strong here at the end, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Can you imagine all these peoples, all these races, being a blessing in the midst of the land. The God we worship is capable of producing that. Whom the eternal of hosts shall bless, saying, Bless the Egypt my people, and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. So, essentially, all the world at that time will turn to God worship God and he will rule the earth in mercy and in love and in peace and everybody will have security food no disease they'll be healed if they have any kind of disease God will heal the world He'll give the world everything it needs and will have a thousand years of peace and that is what is in process right now we look at the world and we see it coming apart, and what a mess it is, and how certain nations are rising up and others are being diminished, like America. And it's a pretty nasty picture from our standpoint, because you and I see what's happening in Washington and in Hollywood and everywhere. The Democrat led uh, cities and the Republican led cities are not far behind, they're all the same. We're all away from God, and it's going to take what is coming, and it's going to be the awfulest thing that has ever happened on the face of the earth. It'll be a lot worse than Noah's flood. Noah's flood came after many warnings, and they drowned pretty quickly. Everybody was gone. This is going to be practiced for several years in people dying of starvation, of disease, of the sword, living in danger and fear every day that they may be killed. Uh, two witnesses going around and sending plagues upon the different places. It's a terrible picture. but God knows that's what it's going to take. For people to give up their gods, their pride, their ego, their vanity, and live together and dwell in peace. That's what it's going to take. And there's nothing short of this that could ever accomplish it. Nothing. It's going to take this from God for that to happen. And I am so thankful that you and I understand that this is what it's going to take, and we understand the ultimate outcome, which gives us hope and security now that if we serve God, we'll be protected through this and be part of that warning that goes out to the world, that they need to repent. So we'll be on God's good side at that point. We haven't been on his good side now for the last three decades or more because of our own weakness in worshiping. Lackadaisical, not much zeal, going through the motions, not on fire for God's purpose. But if anything should build fire in us, it is knowing ahead of time that the things we're reading here today are coming upon first us and in the world, and that we have a way out of it in a place of safety in Zion, if we will simply obey God and be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are coming on the world, as Isaiah 24 clearly says. So we have a vast advantage over the rest of the world, not because we're special, but because God took the weak in the base and said, I will make them something that the world can look to for leadership. The world needs that. They need the leadership to look to under God. So he's taken that which isn't anything and he's going to turn it by his spirit into power and strength and blessing to the whole world and that's the reason he's called you and me not because we're important or elite or uh, intelligent or anything else because what is he going to do to the world the world is going to be brought to a point of abject weakness where there's nothing left but a few starving people. And he is going to turn them into a blessing with the help of those that he helped ahead of time. What a beautiful picture that is, and what an opportunity for us, not because we're anything, because God, but because God can make us into something and use us as an example so that he can make the world into something as well. So there were all his children worshiping him and being blessed by him. So what is coming on this nation and is upon us and is getting worse day by day, and what is then coming upon the world is ultimately a blessing from God because it turns people around, it straightens them out, it gets them turning to God, and that's always a good thing. That's never a bad thing when people turn to God. And he's called you and me to help turn the rest of the world to God. What an incredible honor that is for each and every one of us to be a part of that. And to help usher in the kingdom of God, if you will. Uh, wow. These are powerful chapters here showing what's going to happen and showing That we can be a part of causing all racism to go away, all animosity to go away, and everybody to live together as brothers in peace. What a day to look forward to. But we got an awful lot of sorrow and grief and suffering and death in order for that to actually happen. What is going to take? And God knew that way ahead of time. And hasn't he worked that way? When Israel would obey him, they got blessed. When they disobey him, they got cursed and they into captivity. So it's the tool he's always used to turn Israel around in the past. And it's the tool he's going to use here at the end to turn Israel around, actually first. And then the nations who've conquered Israel will then be destroyed. And he will use this to again turn people to him. And this is the finality. This is the last time. It's the worst time. But it's also the last time. And people are going to accept. The Father and the Son. And the Bride of Christ. As their leaders. And live in peace and prosperity. And this is only a few years away. Just a very few years away. I think less than ten. Ten. So this is all going to be finished it might be long or guess wrong on timing before we all have uh, the way it's going now it's not something we're saying well this could happen but there are no signs of it the leaves are on the trees today it's here and it's becoming more realistic and real every day so now's the time for us to be sure we're turned to God because we've got to be an example to the world of how they need to turn to God. Enough said for the